the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is your host, estate planning attorney, Bob Bergman, broadcasting from my office here in San Jose, California. And I'm glad to be back on the air this week. For some reason, I managed to uh, not be on the air last Friday. It was a mixer board issue, but that's okay. I'm back on the air now. I plan on spending today's show talking about uh, estate planning issues surrounding planning for families that have special needs children or other relatives. Now, I think this is a very, very crucial issue because uh, what I'm going to share to you, uh, share today with you, is 10 costly mistakes to avoid when planning for your special needs child or other family member, including parents who may have special needs. Now, there's a lot of misconception in this area. And that can end up being costly for a family if planning is not done correctly. So with that in mind, let's get started. First of all, when I talk about a special needs person, what am I talking about? I'm talking about somebody who has a physical or mental disability or or incapacity um, or both. And uh, someone can be physically disabled, but not mentally disabled. Uh, And someone can be mentally disabled, but not physically disabled. Uh, But it's important to be aware um, that it is very possible for someone to be one or the other or both. Uh, And in fact, many people do suffer from both types of disability. Now, I know a lot of people don't like the term disability. Uh, I haven't been able to come up with a better one except maybe incapacity. But um, maybe I'll use the term incapacity from now on here. So let's talk about when someone is incapacitated. What that generally means is that they are not able to handle um, things such as a job Maybe they cannot process financial decisions or other decisions. They may not be able to communicate with others around them in the case of mental incapacity. 
Physical incapacity could mean that the person, again, may not be able to have a job um, unless it's a job involving uh, solely their mental capabilities. And there's a lot of people who are physically incapacitated but still work full time um, and uh, have jobs and carry on, even run businesses. But the key here we're talking about is really people who are incapacitated to the point where they are not able to handle their own finances, make their own medical and health care decisions, and similar things to that. Something that is very, very true is that many people who are incapacitated or disabled rely, rely on government programs such as SSI, Supplemental Security Income, which is a federal income program providing income to people who are unable to work. Uh, Medicaid, which is called Medi-Cal here in California, which is both government-funded health insurance for people who have limited financial means or are incapacitated, and it also provides benefits to pay for the cost of nursing home care for people who don't have the resources to pay for it themselves. Um, so that is SSI and Medi-Cal here in California. Now, I have been told by some of my clients who've come in with a special needs uh, child or other family member that well-meaning individuals or even advisors like financial advisors have advised them to disinherit their disabled family member. In other words, do estate planning and don't leave anything at all to their disabled child or grandchild or parent or anyone else uh, in order to protect that person's benefits that they may be receiving from the government. Now, one thing to be aware of is that government benefits such as Medi-Cal uh, to provide health benefits and long-term care benefits and SSI, they rarely provide for more than the basic needs for a person. And, uh, and this solution that people suggest to disinherit the person doesn't allow you to keep to help your disabled family member after you become incapacitated or deceased. A lot of people care for a disabled relative and they figure, well, okay, I'm paying the bills or I'm paying for all the extras and everything that the government's not not taking care of. But what happens if you became incapacitated or you pass away? Who's helping out that disabled person? So when when a child or other family member requires government assistance or is likely to require, then parents, grandparents, and others who love this person should consider establishing a supplemental needs trust. So it's unnecessary and, in fact, poor planning to disinherit a special needs family member. So consider a supplemental needs trust to protect their public benefits and care for that person during your incapacity, if you become incapacitated, or after 
your death. So that's the first costly mistake, disinheriting the incapacitated person. The second mistake is procrastination. Okay, because nobody really knows when they're going to die or become incapacitated themselves, it's important to plan for a beneficiary with special needs early on, just as you would for other dependents, such as your minor children. However, unlike most other beneficiaries, a special needs person may never be able to compensate for your failure to plan. A minor beneficiary without special needs can obtain more resources as he or she receives adulthood and can work to meet essential needs. But a special needs beneficiary may never have that ability. So I bring this up to encourage people. Do not delay. If you have a special needs family member that needs assistance, then do not delay. Start that planning process now. Now, the third costly mistake is the failure to coordinate a planning team effort. Uh, You want to have an attorney such as myself experienced in this planning area. You may want a life insurance agent who can provide for insurance products that will ensure there'll be enough money to help the special needs beneficiary. A CPA who can advise on the Supplemental Needs Trust tax return, and then maybe an investment advisor who can ensure that the trust fund's resources will last. And then other people who might actually be looking out for, uh, like a care manager for the special needs person. So when we come back after the break, I will continue with more of the costly mistakes that people make when planning for a special needs beneficiary. So we'll continue after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. So continuing on from the first part of the show, I'm going to continue with more of the costly mistakes that people have when planning for a special needs person. The fourth costly mistake is ignoring special needs when planning for that person's benefit. Planning that is not designed with the beneficiary's special needs in mind will probably make that person ineligible for essential government benefits. Properly designed supplemental needs trust promotes their comfort and happiness without sacrificing eligibility. Now, special needs can include medical and dental expenses, annual independent checkups, necessary or desirable equipment. For example, a specially equipped van, training, education, insurance, transportation, and essential dietary needs. If a supplemental needs trust is sufficiently funded, the incapacitated person can also receive some spending money, electronic equipment and appliances, computers, vacations, movies, payments for a companion, 
uh, to care for and look after them, and then other quality of life enhancing expenses, the sort of things you may now provide to that person, uh, to your own children or to uh, another special needs beneficiary. So when planning for a special needs child or other beneficiary, it's critical that you use a supplemental needs trust as the way to pass assets to and for the benefit of that person. Otherwise, if you pass the assets directly to the person, it may disqualify them from public benefits uh, or they may be forced to set up a trust that will force the assets in that trust to repay the state for any assistance provided, which kind of defeats the purpose of having a trust in the first place. Now, the fifth costly mistake is creating a generic supplemental needs trust that doesn't fit. Okay, even some supplemental needs trusts are unnecessarily inflexible and generic. Although an attorney with some knowledge of the area can protect almost any trust from invalidating someone's public benefits, many trusts are not customized to the particular beneficiary's needs. Thus, that person fails to receive the benefits that you provided when you were alive. Now, a frequent mistake occurs when the supplemental needs trust includes a payback provision rather than allowing the remainder of the trust to go to others on the death of the special needs beneficiary. Payback provisions are required in certain types of supplemental needs trusts, but if they're put into a supplemental needs trust that is set up by the parents or others, that's a mistake, and it could end up costing thousands of dollars from the estate when the special needs person passes away because it means the money in that trust may need to be used to pay back the government for benefits that were that were paid out during that person's lifetime. So a supplemental needs trust should be customized to meet the unique circumstances of that incapacitated beneficiary and should be drafted by a lawyer familiar with this area of the law, such as me. Now, the sixth costly mistake is the failure to properly fund and maintain the plan. Now, when you're planning for a special needs beneficiary, it's critical that you make sure there are sufficient assets available for that person to use throughout his or her lifetime. In many instances, this requires using a funding vehicle that can ensure liquidity, meaning actual cash available when necessary. Now, oftentimes using permanent life insurance is perfect for that purpose, particularly if you happen to be young and healthy so that insurance rates will be lower. Now, because this is an ever-changing area, it's imperative that any plan for that special needs beneficiary 
be revisited frequently to ensure that it's continuing to meet that person's needs. So when your beneficiary is young, you should consider permanent life insurance as at least one of the ways to fund making sure that there's plenty of money available for that person because there may be tremendous costs associated with caring for that person over a lifetime. Now, if your estate may be subject to a state tax, and right now the estate tax exclusion is a very high number, but that could change with any new Congress and presidency, well, you might want to consider having an irrevocable life insurance trust own and be the beneficiary of the life insurance policy in your life. Now, at the time I'm doing this show here, in October of 2021, Congress is talking about changing a lot of the rules for things like insurance trusts. So it may not be something that would be successfully done if they change the law, um, which means that there may be only a short window of opportunity between now and potentially the end of this year, 2021, to actually set up something like that um, in order to take advantage of the laws in effect today. Now, as an alternative, uh, if you don't have a taxable estate, you might want to consider naming your own revocable living trust as the beneficiary of the life insurance and then you could have any share for the special needs beneficiary be distributed from your living trust to their supplemental needs trust on your passing. And that could actually work exceptionally well. Now, when I come back after the mid-show break, which is coming up in roughly a minute or so, I will finish up in the third segment, um, Mistakes... 7, 8, 9, and possibly 10 as well. Uh, I might expand and take the remainder of the show uh, to complete this, but when we come back after this mid-show break, I will continue talking about the costly mistakes that can be made when planning for a special needs beneficiary, such as children, grandchildren, or other family members. So stay tuned for the second half of our show today on Plan Your Estate Radio. This is your host, Attorney Bob Bergman. Stay tuned, and we'll be back to you after this mid-show break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Okay, I'm going to continue on our show today talking about costly mistakes you can make when planning for a special needs beneficiary. Now, mistake number seven is choosing the wrong trustee for the supplemental needs trust that you've created for the incapacitated beneficiary. Now, you can be the trustee of a trust like that. That's the person in charge, by the way the trustee of a trust for that beneficiary while you're alive and not incapacitated yourself. But if you're no longer able to serve as a trustee, 
you want to make sure that you have properly vetted and decided on who would then take over as a trustee and follow the instructions that you provided in the trust itself. You could decide on a team of advisors or a professional trustee. Whoever you choose, however, it's crucial that the trustee is financially knowledgeable, well-organized, and, of course, ethical are trustworthy. Uh, just naming uh, just naming a relative may not be the best choice. Uh, naming the person's older brother or sister may not be the best choice. Um, I usually recommend that people consider as a successor one or more professional fiduciaries uh, in an order of succession and also give those professionals the ability to appoint a successor to themselves so we don't end up having to go to court later on. And I also make recommendations that people consider using um, a local uh, bank or trust company that has a trust department. I happen to be pretty partial to a particular bank here in the Bay Area. I'm not going to name them on the air. Uh, because I'm not giving a specific recommendation to anyone right now. Uh, but there's a bank that I have had clients of mine use for a number of years, and they've been very satisfied. Uh, they also have a, a kind of a part of what they do is specializing in working with special needs people and the special needs or supplemental needs trusts established for them. So choosing a trustee you choose the wrong trustee, everything could be blown up when you're gone. So that's a very crucial part of the planning process, is getting the right trustee to take over from you, or the right trustee to start handling things from day one. Now, another costly mistake, number eight, is failing to invite contributions from others to the trust you've set up for the special needs beneficiary. A key benefit of creating a supplemental needs trust now is that your special needs beneficiaries, extended family and friends can make gifts to the trust or remember the trust in their own estate plans uh, to leave um, a portion, uh, an inheritance to that trust for the benefit of the incapacitated beneficiary. Um, so, for example, if the trust was set up for uh, your son, well, then grandma and grandpa could direct assets to go into that supplemental needs trust. They could also name the supplemental needs trust as beneficiary of a life insurance policy or a retirement plan or even uh, the pay-on-death beneficiary of a bank account or a brokerage account, things like that. So that's a way that others can either contribute to a supplemental needs trust or provide to leave property to that supplemental needs trust to help take care of the incapacitated beneficiary. Now, mistake number nine Relying on the siblings or other family members of the special needs beneficiary to use the money 
for your special needs beneficiaries benefit. Now, some people will will say, you know, well, I'll just leave everything to my daughter and tell her, take care of your brother. Okay, and a lot of families will do that. Now, that could be a temporary solution uh, for a brief time, such as um, if you're briefly incapacitated or if your other children are financially secure and have money to spare, but it's not a solution that will protect the special needs beneficiary after you've died or when siblings have their own children expenses and financial priorities. So what if the sibling you're leaving it to gets a divorce or loses a lawsuit? Well, then the money you left with the idea that they're going to take care of their brother or sister who's special needs, that may be gone. What if that sibling dies or becomes incapacitated while your special needs beneficiary is still alive? Will the care be as thoughtful and complete um, after that person is incapacitated or has died? All right. So relying on someone's siblings or other relatives to care is a short-term solution at best. You want to make sure that the, that the trust owns the assets and that those are available for the special needs beneficiary and would not end up going to the spouse or a creditor of that sibling or other family member that you decided to leave everything to with instructions to take care of the special needs beneficiary. Not recommended. Now, the tenth costly mistake is failing to protect the special needs beneficiary from predators. Any inheritance from parents or others that funds a beneficiary's supplemental needs trust through a will rather than through a revocable living trust, will end up in the public record. And predators are particularly attracted to vulnerable beneficiaries, such as those who are too young and those with limited capacity to protect themselves. Um, I have a relative in my family who's in that category. And even though that relative does work, um, he's particularly susceptible to being taken advantage of by those around him. Uh, if he has money, he's susceptible to having them get his money away from him or ask for things and he'll give things to them. Um, so as you might imagine, anything left in trust for him, and there is a trust for him, that's actually... Um, held off uh, being directly to him and there's a trustee that makes decisions about any distributions from that trust for his benefit so that he cannot end up losing his inheritance to a predator. Now, if you plan using a trust to distribute to that supplemental needs trust, then you'll decide who has access to the information about person's inheritance rather than the legal system deciding that. So, by creating a supplemental needs trust outside of a will, 
that will ensure that the information about the inheritance is not in the public record, and that helps to protect that special needs beneficiary from predators. So that's it right there. The 10 costly mistakes to avoid when planning for a special needs beneficiary. Number one, disinheriting the beneficiary. Number two, putting things off or procrastination. Number three, the failure to coordinate it as a planning uh, planning team, as a team effort. Number four, ignoring the special needs of the person when planning for the beneficiary's benefit. Number five, creating a generic supplemental needs trust that doesn't really fit what the person needs. Number six, failing to properly fund or put assets in there and then maintain the plan. Number seven, choosing the wrong trustee to handle things for the trust. Number eight, failing to invite other people to contribute to the trust for the benefit of that person. Number four, or excuse me, number nine, relying on siblings of the person or other relatives to use the money left to them to take care of the special needs person. And the number ten, failing to protect the special needs person from predators. And that kind of wraps up for today my discussion of the 10 costly mistakes to avoid when planning for your special needs beneficiary. Most of the planning I do in this area is for people's children who can be minor children or adult children. You can even uh, plan for somebody prospectively if you believe at some time in the future they will become a special needs person due to a disease or health condition that is progressive, such as uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, ALS, that is a progressive degenerative disease. Someone can be fine, and over time, their mental and physical capability can deteriorate. So you could create a supplemental needs trust now for that person and make sure that it's funded for them uh, when you pass away and make sure that your planning can also provide for that person as their mental and physical condition deteriorates from the disease. So this is not something that you should leave to chance. It's something you should actively plan for and feel free to contact my office through my website at lawbob.com if you want to talk further about this. Coming up on the third break of the show today, when we come back, I will be opening up to calls or I will continuing with the usual format of my show. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Welcome back for the final segment of our show today. I'm going to now switch to my usual format of questions and comments from around the state of California. And I'll start first with one out of Diamond Bar, California. It says, we are trustees of an estate. Our attorney has applied for an employer identification number with both of our social security numbers, both times it failed. Now what do we do? 
okay, I'm not sure what they really mean by that. Um, it's, um, you know, I think I'm going to skip that one because there's information missing. I don't think I can, but I don't think I can really answer that one without more information. Okay. Uh, let's see. Can a grantor who is also the trustee of their own revocable trust represent the trust uh, in pro per, meaning, okay, I was told I'm practicing law and cannot. I'm not an attorney. Uh, the reasoning, I am representing beneficiaries and it's against the law. Even though I'm the sole beneficiary until my death, most of the beneficiaries don't even know they're in the trust. My son is my only beneficiary and he's given me permission. And the others are sub-beneficiaries only if both my son and I pass. Well, the bottom line is this. If there's a trust, it sounds like it's not your trust. And I don't know what what your are if you're going to court um, on your own behalf. Uh, trusts have to be represented by an attorney. That's just kind of how it works. And uh, unless you happen to be an attorney yourself, you cannot really represent. Um, you cannot really go to court and represent a trust. So that kind of answers that right there. Okay. All right. Um, a relative has been very uncooperative in producing claims of a power of attorney. Such a power of attorney ends at death, period, which has occurred. That's true. A power of attorney authority, with the limited exception of an advanced health care directive, where um, the authority may continue uh, beyond death um, uh, for dealing with various issues. Um, are there any stipulations beyond death that are legally binding? Well, if all someone's acting with is a financial power of attorney, they have no authority to do anything after the death of the person that granted the power. The power literally becomes ineffective on the death of the principal, the principal being the person who granted the power in the first place. So I'm not quite sure uh, why someone would think that they still have authority to act if the person who gave the authority is now deceased. That would not be the case if we're talking about a living trust. A living trust could actually uh, continue on past the death of the creator of the trust. In fact, it's designed to continue on past death with a successor trustee or trustees taking over at that time. Okay. All right. All right. Let's see. Let me flip over, see if I can find another one to answer. We have uh, a short amount of time left here, so let's see what else we have here. How would you find out if your deceased father left you a trust or an estate? My husband has not spoken to his father for so many years. I was looking online for unclaimed property and saw his name, full name, and was wondering by chance if his father left him this. Is there a way to find out? 
Maybe if I called the insurance company and provided his full details. That's a possibility. Um, if it's unclaimed property online, you can look up and see what's the amount of the unclaimed property and, and who put you who put it up there saying that it's unclaimed property. If it's an insurance company, it's a small amount. It's probably the return of insurance premium that was not used when an insurance policy was canceled. Uh, I had something like that from years ago. I canceled a permanent life insurance policy early on, and I had some premium as a refund, and somehow the refund didn't make it back to me and ended up an unclaimed property. Well, once I saw that, I was able to provide proof about who I was, and I got this refund check back from the state. It wasn't a huge amount of money, but at the time, it was significant for me, and um, and I was glad to have the pennies from heaven that came in. Okay, what happens to my widowed sister-in-law's house if she died without a will? Says, my husband's sister died this year. Her husband died four years ago. They had no children. My deceased sister-in-law had no will, has three living brothers, two living sisters, and her mother. She had a home that was in her deceased husband's name only when she died. Does my mother-in-law, the mother, have any rights under California law? Okay, unfortunately, I don't have time to really answer that today. We're almost out of time. Maybe I will pick it up on next week's show. Uh, But until next week or next time, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Hope you enjoyed the show and found it informative. And hope I'll be able to talk with some of you in the future about supplemental needs, trust, planning for your incapacitated beneficiary. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.